is up, Internet. I will devote every waking moment of my life to destroying your family. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir Dowd, and I had a bad dream, and I'm just with the beat. I love the dichotomy of our quotes for this one. It went really well together. Mine was very powerful. Yours... Was, was who's, about, the, who's the fascist in this room? Uh, okay, touche, touche. <laughs> and this is the only podcast about movies. Uh, this one we are doing, here. what movie are we doing? We These do- two very different quotes we did. <laughs> From the same movie. Yes. Uh, the Childhood of Alita, by Bra- uh, directed by Brady Corbett. Okay. Uh, which we're going to do with a special guest. <gasps> and I'm going to look to my right. Oh my God, there he is. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> are you feeling very awkward by this, like... Um, Who could it be? Could it be a famous leader? It's someone, yeah, it's someone very special. It is. Yes. You've just gone suddenly very red. For a white dude, it's quite noticeable. Well, it's getting yeah. warm in this room, and we've only been in here for five minutes. Introduce your friend, here. This is Brendan McCarthy, who is a writer, director, editor, it, podcast host, mm-hmm. lover of ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Trump supporter. Donald as we Trump said. supporter. Yeah. Rabid. Famous <laughs> Rabid. Dancer, um, singer of songs, tweeter of tweets, mm-hmm. snapper of Snapchats. Mm-hmm. Um, Won a, a couple seconds ago, in fact. I did. I just snapped both of us, or both of you, actually. Actually. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. So you're to, on my Snapchat now. To all mm-hmm. your followers? Yes. Okay. Humble Brendo. Find me. <laughs> that's, that's my Snap handle. Brendan also has his own podcast, which is yes. recounting the entire series of The Sopranos. I've been listening to this because I I am not the biggest fan of The Sopranos, mm. but listening to your podcast has made me want to go back and rewatch them all. We, I, I would love to have you on to discuss some of these things that I, you're not, the, just to, to set you straight, basically. Let I me, wanna, I, I can I do the you. last episode? Uh, <laughs> we've gotten into an argument about, the last, into an argument about the last oh, episode. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I was actually, I'm in the, uh, after I finish a little bit more of my media debt, I'm in the market of, to go back. I'm currently rewatching Lost, which oh, I feel like awesome. is almost the same time commitment. Yes. Um, yes, just about. The, but I, is, is your podcast formulated so like I could watch Ep 1, then listen to your Ep 1? Is that how it would correlate? Or Yeah, I mean, but we at a certain point gave up on like not spoiling things. Oh, like, of course. At a certain point, it was just kind of like we assume you've seen the whole series. I see. So, Got you. Yeah. You know, so Okay. Up in and and what is the great title of this podcast? It is No Fucking ZD. No Fucking ZD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, which episode did that come from? The first one. Was it the first time? Yeah. Did, what happened that, that, that he said No Fucking ZD? Uh, well, the mom decided not to come to Anthony Jr.'s birthday party. <laughs> right. And then he said, so what? No Fucking ZD now? And then they all say, oh. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And then oh, it just I cuts to it. black. Every episode just cuts to black in the middle. Hey. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's they, they love that move. It's they a did. trademark move. Yeah. We have a trademark move. What we're going to. I'd like to make it our trademark move. I wanted to sort of transition into telling you guys that we're going to do a live show. Oh, my God. Uh, in Seattle. It won't be. It'll be live when we're there. Let's call it. Uh, we're, do, we're doing a panel at PAX called Getting Good GUD at Video Game Movies or Making Video Game Movies, I should say, where me, Shahir, uh, our friends Red and James Portnow are going to be basically discussing what Hollywood has done to take video games and try to convert them into movies after all this time that video games were trying to make themselves like movies. It's kind of been this weird bastardized sort of amalgamation. We're doing it on the 2nd of September. I believe it's six o'clock uh, at the Sphinx theater at the PAX, uh, at the big old PAX show. It's going to be exciting. And Brendan, are you a video gamer or um, not really? I'm, I'm definitely one of the people who like to watch people play video games though. Do you like- watch Twitch at all? Uh, no, sometimes I, I yeah. have, I have, I'm not, but, uh, I don't know. I I'm scared if I got a system that I wouldn't get anything else in my life done ever. That's probably fair. I, yeah. I, do you like, like, are there video game movies that you like? Like, you know, you're a uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> well, when I was, when I was a prepubescent boy I, or an adolescent boy, I was very much into Lara Croft. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? yeah. Like um, last year. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan's yeah. very, very young. Yeah. It's yeah. very strange. I, um, yeah. Uh, we, my, we have to remember not to swear in the room. While please don't. Please don't. Yes. <laughs> we'll get it. His, his parents are right outside the door. Yeah. Uh, guys, if you are, uh, if you're enjoying our witty banter and enjoying our reviews Don't so call far, our banter witty. Oh, it's not witty? I, no. I just don't like it, calling. It's very uncouth to call out your own witty banter. Shahir. If you're enjoying our painful and awkward banter, you can, <laughs> you can call, reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com and uh, hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. This movie has been a special request from... Uh, uh, listener Jacob, who has uh, been active on our Facebook page. To, uh, hey, Jacob, thanks for calling out this movie for us. Yeah, thank you, Jacob.
Jacob. This is actually very cool because it's not only a request, but it's also a newer film. So we're putting it in our newer film slot, even though it's a request. So it's not going to be a Wednesday. It's going to be a Friday or it's a Monday or whatever the fuck we're doing. It's going to be good. Uh, Jacob is uh, really um, uh, pointing me to a lot of things on the Internet that I'm uh, that I haven't seen yet. Uh, particularly, uh, I had seen this trailer before he pointed it out, but he was the one who said we should do this. OK. And um, and I was kind of excited about it because uh, I think it's a from the trailer. It's an interesting looking film. Um, Jacob's also had some really um, great input onto DVD and media buying. Uh, we had a conversation yes, a while back. I lurked in that conversation for he, a while. He showed me some. So apparently, South Korea is the place that yep. that is making collectible Blu-ray and steel books, steel books for days. Yeah. So I was I was really interested in that, and this goes into my my whole new Criterion Corner thing. Stay tuned for that Ugh, um, again. <laughs> Uh, it, we all know it's Matt's favorite thing. I love it. Um, but yeah, so again, thanks, Jacob, for pointing this film out. And uh, on with the review, gentlemen. Yes. So, The Childhood of a Leader. Mm. It's about your son, Shahir. I know. I was watching this kind of thinking about my son the whole time going, this is how it's going to go. I mean, if you were in the uh, the ends of what, World War One in, in in France and yep. World War II. Just like your life. Yeah, yeah I think it's pretty much me. So the IMD synopsis is this chilling fable about the B, rise. There's a B in there. There's a B in there? IMDB. IMDB. You said IMD synopsis is. <laughs> the internet movie data synopsis is. I like D synopsis is. <laughs> the chilling fable about the rise of fascism in the 20th century tells the story of a young American boy living in France in 1918 whose father is working for the U.S. government on the creation of the Treaty of Versailles. What he witnesses helps him mold uh, his beliefs, and we witness the birth of a terrifying ego, much like Matt Kroll on this episode. <laughs> Loosely inspired by the early childhood experiences of many of the great dictators of the 20th century and infused with the same sense of dread as others, uh, as the others and the omen, the childhood of the leader is an ominous portrait of emerging evil. You know, now, it's that was written by, I'm sure, by the production company. Because, yeah, because a lot of times, like, for films, it'll be like, hero must rescue yeah. uh, brother from evil force and it's like thanks IMDB this is very specific that was very specific and it was also kind of very favorable to the movie I guess this has been the only podcast about the, well, <laughs> the childhood of a leader thanks for coming on thanks <laughs> Brady um, yeah and this was directed by Brady Corbett who is an actor who I've um, been watching and been interested in for a while he is loosely part of a collective in New York called Borderline Films which has done films like uh, Martha Macy May Marlene Simon Killer, um, After School, which is excellent. Um, he's been in all of those. He's also been in Melancholia, 13. And interestingly, he was in the remake of Michael Haneke's Funny Games, which mm. I, th I feel like he is really drawing on Haneke a lot, particularly Haneke's film, White, The White Ribbon. Um, so this is his directorial debut. Um, and a pretty interesting one for a young American filmmaker. This is a young guy as well. He is, uh, you know, probably he's in his twenties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know we all hate him. Uh, I don't hate him. <laughs> I got no problem with that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So guys, what did you think of the movie? Brendan, uh, guest first. Guest first. Um, I think overall, I think I liked it. Um, I think I liked I, it. Well, I, th I think that's a movie you got to sit with a little bit. Um, we, to be fair, we just watched yeah, it. Yeah, we, like, we just, true. yeah, like a half hour ago finished it. Um, I, I did like it. It was, it was a little on the, um, I mean, it's fascinating all the way through. It's just maybe not always like super entertaining, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely slow going at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's, uh, we all kind of felt a little, a, bit, a little bit of that, you know? <laughs> Um, but I do ultimately like where it ends up. I'm not sure how I feel about the last scene, but I like the third act overall, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought the color was really beautiful. Okay. I'll say that. That's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like the movie, but look, the colors no. really spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. No, I think I did like the movie. I, I did. There was, there was a lot of it that I did like, but yeah. it, it is, uh, it's, it was, you know, I mean, it has a, it has a, a very oppressive feeling, I guess, which I'm sure they were going for. To yeah. Some extent, you know, the score in particular, mm -hmm. and like it opens with a pretty chilling score, um, sit to some, um, historical footage. Right. Um, which I loved, but uh, mm. Matt, what do you think of the movie? I loved the opening. Oh boy, <laughs> I loved the opening a lot. I really like that. I also like frame rates of old film because they, they you know, they were still playing with exactly when they were recording yeah. this stuff, like what would work, and yep. they couldn't capture it quick enough, so it does like basically like double time. Yeah, that's great. Which was it like four? What was it back then? Do you guys know cinephiles? Uh, I think it was twelve frames. Between twelve frames a second. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought people just moved like they were just like <laughs> so much sure. way more energy back yeah, then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I liked the credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I here's, actually did like those credits, though. Oh, I know. Well, here's the thing. I've got to get into that credit. So uh, 
from from the moment we started watching this, I was very interested in the historical footage, and I was like, "Ooh, this is nice." And and then actually, after we found out that it's not like it's not real, real. It's like based in real events, but it's not based around a real guy. Yeah. Uh, that was very interesting to me that they still got to use that stuff. I liked that a lot. Yeah, but the yeah. way sort of the text came on the screen. So just to describe it, uh, like a, a, a splotch of like credits would come on the screen and then maybe with a five to eight frame differential. Yeah. Uh, the next one would basically superimpose over it and they'd both be white lettering on top of each other for a second, like less than a second and yeah. go away. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, "Ooh, neat. But then I had the idea in my head and it did kind of play off. I was like, oh, this this is going to be one of those movies that really likes itself a lot. Uh, yeah. uh, and which is fine, which is fine. And I, I feel like I was right. Uh, I really dug the cinematography for the most part. Uh, I thought you're right. absolutely hit it the nail on the head about the sort of uh, feeling. Uh, one of you said about being repressed. Or, yeah. Um, and all the internal framing was super cool. Yeah, like, especially was. in the beginning. And then I maybe I either got used to it or they started doing it less. But like there were some really cool shots and the way they framed it with stuff in the foreground. Yeah. Uh, I dug the sets, the costumes, the music was really good. The thing the thing that got me and that I didn't that didn't that fought me from being really engaged with this movie. Uh, a, the pace is really slow. Yes. And B, all of those great things that I just, just said, I, I have to go back with the sort of falling in love with itself analogy of like, yeah, these are all so cool. It really, in my opinion, needed someone to step in and be like, yeah, these are all great, but let's just cut it all down by like 80% mm -hmm. or like, or 20% because it had that feeling of just like almost like one guy at the helm. You know, when you fall in love with your shit, Mm -hmm. And you're like, it's, it, you're like, I'm not cutting anything. Like there were just shots that went forever. And for most of it, I was like, this is cool. And then I'm like, okay, just yeah. keep fucking going. Uh, and the story, the story was good. I, I, I didn't particularly like the way it was told, especially in the first half, but we can get into that. Shahir. Uh, I, I, I think it is. I think you guys are both right, which is those, it's one of those films that you do need to sit with for a minute. And it's hard to talk about it within half an hour of watching it because yeah. I feel I need more time to, to digest what I've just seen. Um, I, I do like this kind of it's not experimentation, but a sense of like still pacing, you know, like where a film like takes its time to set itself up. And I felt like. Um, but th that said, the opening couple of scenes with Liam Cunningham and Robert Patterson, where they're sitting around a pool table talking about the history of, uh, oh, you know, what's happening in the world yeah. right now, I did feel was kind of awkwardly paced yep. and, and, and kind of made me go, oh yeah, this conversation could really be trimmed down. And, and I really wanted to see where the child was going to come into all of this. Now it's an interesting film because basically you can tell from the the title, the childhood of Alita, that, that the film is, is attempting to seek either correlation or causation between the events of this child's life into what he will eventually become. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not that well versed on Jean-Paul Jean Satire, um, Sartre, sorry. Um, I can't but, do it either. But uh, apparently... Uh, he well, you mispronounced Edward Cullen's name already, so I don't think the French are going to mind. <laughs> you, you mean um, Sparkle Pony from... Uh, from uh, uh, Twilight. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't know uh, uh, Sartre very well. Uh, I mean, you know, loosely from from university, but um, there is a, a series of short stories that he wrote. One of which uh, which uh, documents the upbringing of a fascist. Uh, I believe the name is Lucien Florian. Um, and uh, it, I I'm not certain that the film paints the most convincing portrait of causation mm. between what the events of this child's life and, and the eventually the fascist that he will become. Um, Agreed. But I think it, I think, you know, the, the thing that's difficult about that is that if you go, I, I didn't know what the film was about and you, you know, from the title you can glean. And so everything that the child does becomes front loaded with how is this going to relate to him when he gets older? How is this going to, you know, like, how is this a demonstration of a child who is right. who is going to eventually become some kind of monster? Um, and obviously, you know, like in the political season that we're in right now, that's an interesting conversation to have. Sure. And something I was thinking, too, is like, I know we always we like in the, the iconography and the poster and all this stuff is sort of sort of trying to lead you into like, oh, this child becomes a monster. Yeah. But I was thinking about it and I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if this turned into. So he turns into a good leader. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it, it would be like the sort of twist of it would be uh, like, Oh, it's not going to become like a Hitler esque thing. It's going to become somewhat like, I don't know. I was like, cause then I was like, am I putting, am I putting too much of what I think? Like, Oh fuck, bad shit's coming. Yeah. I, granted, I, I, I didn't. And that's what they were going for. But right. I, no. I, I had the moment where I was like, that would be neat. 
And and so to that to that end, I think the way that the film kind of doesn't directly set up, you know, correlative events. It doesn't, you know, he does, you know, he's not out there like killing animals or something like that, and that's the re, you know, like he's he's a monster from the yeah. get go. Um, it, it's 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 more that there are certain little little moments in his life that that you can certainly point to a um some sort of dissociative quality. And then there's something that I always think is really interesting, which is that. Um, uh, families that have wealth tend to, you know, in, in cases where they have servants and people that look after the house, tend to value certain people over other people. So guests of the house are uh, are more valued than the people that actually work in the house, which is something that happens in this film. And I think, and I and I do have a personal belief that that a child seeing that kind of division between people. Um, that that becomes formative in their in their um, growth and development. Yeah, and I think that this film kind of plays on that. It's something that um, uh, again we saw in uh, Michael Haneke's the uh, the White Ribbon. It's something we see in the Rules of the Game, uh, the uh, Renoir film, um, and uh, it's also something we see in Gosford Park, the Robert Altman film. To, well, to be honest, I think that's the that, that sort of getting into like what causes him to become the bad guy at the end, right? Yeah. That difference that you just described is really, to me, I don't know if maybe I'm saying too much about my childhood. That's the only real like thing I could see sort of affecting him in a in a at like a in in such an adverse way that makes him become this giant like a totalitarian leader person that happens at the end. Because like, I mean, let's step through here and please disagree with me because I would love to be turned on this. The okay. kid, first of all, I a. I just got to put this out there. I didn't particularly like the kid who played the 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 little kid, the mm. leader, the Prescott. I guess it was his yeah, name, right? Yeah. Uh, I just he had one look. He had one look, and I and it was sort of like that 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 chin down, slightly, eyes up, slightly Damien from the Omen. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so I felt like it was a little heavy handed in that. So I never felt like there was a transformation. Like the first thing we're introduced, and this is, I guess, we're getting into spoilers, but it's the very beginning of the movie. Uh, he's he's in a play. Uh, at church and afterward he runs outside behind a wall and throws rocks at the parishioners as they're leaving. Mm -hmm. Okay. The film is structured, um, for for those who, uh, first off, go and watch the film. It's available on VOD. Watch it right now. But the film is structured around three tantrums. Um, You know, like the first, the second, and the third tantrum. Right. Um, and they're really interestingly done. With funny uh, subtitles. With, yeah. yeah, Um, and, and this first tantrum is the throwing of the rocks at the parishioners. So like little kids, I did stupid shit when I was little. Like I, I there was a, there's a thing back uh, at home. Uh, and like, there would be, uh, we'd like throw rocks off this cliff, not like aiming at anything in particular, but like there was a highway right there. There was a bunch of, you know, just like being dicks. Yeah. And like, uh, it, kids do that and they're not all evil. And so like, so he's doing that and I was like, okay, I grant times are different and you're throwing him at prisoners out of a church. And I'm sure that's thought of, you know, is very poorly. So then like the mother decides to bring him into the preacher. Basically the, the only thing that I found weird about like that would turn a person that's not naturally inclinated to be evil was like the, the, the separation between sort of the way people were treated in the house and just sort of like, I guess, lack of parenting. Yeah. 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 But like, I don't know, like, I know people, again, I came from a, a town uh, up at New Hampshire where I was one of the, you know, not, we weren't poor by any means of the imagination, but we were in a very affluent town and we were not <laughs> close to affluent. So it's like I went to a lot of places that had uh, a maid or, or something like that. And a lot of people that had lo- like more uh, relationships with the help than they did with their parents. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, but again, I think the the, the they're not evil. That's what I was no, getting. No, no. But I but I think the film is going out of its way to to not create direct causation. Like they're not. It's not going this. Therefore, this. You know what I mean? Like I think it's I think it's trying to point to to subtleties in in this child's upbringing that would lead him to this. Now, of course, the film kind of like um you know the famous uh, bone throwing up in the air and becoming the spacecraft in in 2001 makes a big jump in time so that that jump is designed you know the big gap in time is designed to give you this equals this kind of um you know like the, like Are you talking at the very end? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So so obviously inherently we are trying we as an audience are trying to figure out what are the things that make this child 
become this leader. Right. Yeah, I was thinking the whole time. I was just, I was like you guys just thinking like, oh, what's what's the event that's going to happen here that's going to like officially just put it all over the edge? But yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's there. I think they kind of explore like every avenue. Like, you know, there's, can, can I jump around like just all over the movie or? Yeah, sure, sure. Chronology um, <laughs> broken. Because there's like, you know, the mom just very easily dismisses the workers and mm -hmm. kind of just like writes them off almost like a dictator might like, yeah. you know, either throw some, uh, you know, someone in jail or even like just execute them, I guess. Like it was almost like, you know. Um, yeah, well, a, a worker who's worked in the house, Mona, for, right. uh, for um, she's worked 17 house, years. 17 yeah. years. That was the quote I did when she gets fired. That was right. the quote that I said in the beginning about yeah. spending her entire life to destroy her family. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the mom like just has that in her, the kind of cold distance, you know, uh, I don't know, managerial or, or whatever aspect to her. And then they kind of explore the dad, maybe. Played, uh, by, played by Leon Cunningham, Davos. Yes. Oh, so Davos. Yes. Love uh, seeing him getting work. Yeah, with all his fingers in this. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> and, and and two accents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so they kind of explore him just not being around, and then when he is, like, there, there's one scene where he sort of gets physical. Yeah. Um, so, Let's yeah. Get, yeah, not off. the fun way that you hear. I knew he'd sing <laughs> that song. Let's get physical. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. There is, there is that weird anticipation the whole time where you're waiting for something and, uh, and I think, I think the way the mother is portrayed as well, she's, uh, um, uh, the actor is Berenice Bio, who, um, I really, she was in a film that I called one of my favorite films last year, but it wasn't officially in our top 10, uh, the film, the past by Asghar Fahadi. She was in the um, artist too, right? I I'm not too sure. I haven't I seen the was, artist yeah. just yet. <laughs> it's one of those films, like I should watch that movie at some point, but I have not seen it yet. Ah, uh, she is. Oh, good for you. Uh, <laughs> when for I see the past and too, a right there. Tale. Ooh, a night. Who's she in a night's wow. tale? Christina, the late great Heath Ledger. Oh, I love that movie. Um, so the 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 coldness is with with which the mother treats the help, and and I think there's an like this film deals with interesting psychology, like mirrored psychology. There's this thing where the mother looks a lot like the young French teacher, but yes, it, it, but, but an older version yep. of her. Um, and I've, and you, and you, the film kind of hints at some subtle jealousy, mm -hmm. um, you know, like even there's a conversation where the mother talks to the French teacher as she dismisses her as well mm -hmm. and talks about how, if you want to live a life, that's going to be great, you know, and do the things that you want to do, don't get married and don't have children. Right. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the film is really going, you know, with such a, with such a heavy title. And with such a, the intertitles themselves are also a little heavy handed. The first one is the first tantrum, a yeah. sign of things to come. Yeah. Um, it, it, I it, chuckled. It, I chuckled at every are, subtitle. Yeah. And they're, they're, I know they weren't meant to be, but I was like. <laughs> they're, they're, they are heavy handed titles, but I think the film itself, the narrative itself goes out of its way to to try and find subtle cues. The third one right. was like, enter the dragon. What was it? Something the no, dragon? It's yeah. a dragon. It's a dragon. That's a that's a dragon. I don't know. And I was thinking to myself, if there's not a fucking dragon, like a legit dragon, I'm going to be think, pissed you, off. You think Dav so Davos? So Davos is calling. Yeah, yeah. Bringing Khaleesi over. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I, yeah. I just think the other side of this is that those the subtle cues can be frustrating as a as a as a narrative experience. It is very the you know, I, I did certainly in the first act feel like, whoa, this is really yeah, this could be cut down and this could be trimmed down. Then again, part of me does, I I like seeing a young filmmaker, and this is his first film, like, this is not the kind of first film that you see from a 27-year-old who's like, uh, you know, who acts in Hollywood movies right no, now. No, but, yeah. but at the same time, what was the, um, there was a taste of things to come or a t what was a, it? A taste of things. A to taste come. of things to come. Uh, like, well, no shit. It's the first, you're, you're labeling your chapters, like the first tantrum one or the first tantrum. I was like, oh, so there's going to be more. There's going to be chapters. Cool. I got it. And then, <laughs> then it's like a taste of things to come. I mean, I think, like, I think there's a certain, I, I felt like there was a certain irony in the way that those titles were played out. And again, yeah. because this actor has worked with Laz von Trier and Michael Haneke, I feel like he's drawing on the way that those, I mean, those two filmmakers in particular are, are renowned structuralists when it comes to film. They, yep. they split their films up into chapters. They know. I love chapters. I'm not shitting on chapters. No, 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 but, but, but they're playful with that idea as well. I mean, you can look at the early films of Laz von This Trier, didn't like, feel playful, like though. Like Zentropa, which uses chapters. Right, well. right, right. This didn't feel playful. Even like Tarantino turns his chapters sort of playful. Like yeah. this, this felt like, all right, here we go. Chapter one. Good. Oh, 
and for the cheap seats, it's really about this. And you're like, but that's what I'm saying is I, I don't think the chapter hittings gave away what actually happened in that sequence. No, no, no. They don't give it away, but they like, they, you are, look, they're called tantrums. You know, it's a bad thing that's going to happen. Right. So you don't need to another obscure reference to what's going to be like, yeah, I yeah. get it. Like, let's get to like, I don't know. It did. It rubbed me kind of wrong. Yeah. I, I felt, I felt when we were watching it that you were like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> part of me. And you know, part of there's a, there's a certain dread in my, in my head at the, at the end of this film, which I was like, I know we're going to need like a real conclusion here. Or Matt's going to go all lobster on me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I know. And I will say, uh, Yay conclusion. Mm-hmm. There is a conclusion. And I want to talk about that sort of at the conclusion of the episode. Um, do, you know, do I think they nailed it? No, but there is a conclusion. So no lobstering. There will be no lobstering. Okay. There'll be no lobster bake here. If uh, if anyone's interested, go back and listen to our episode on the lobster where you can hear Matt and I yell at each For other. For a good Ooh. 20 minutes. Like Ooh. we almost pretty much stood up in the room and started yeah. throwing things at each other. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to start that tonight. You, you want to go, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's my point of view on it. Before we get into spoilers, is there any other thoughts that people had about, you know, like whether the, I mean, I think Matt, you've kind of articulated it already, whether the film, you know, really, really painted you a convincing portrait of the, the journey from child to leader. I I don't think it did. I think it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's an uh, excellent attempt at it. Yeah. I think something, and hopefully throughout the conversation that we're going to have, maybe we can pinpoint what it is that I feel like it's missing. Cause I can't, that's how, okay. I feel like I've been shitting on it. That's how kind of good it is, is I, I, I feel like it, the fault, this is a weird thing. I don't think I've ever said this on the show. <laughs> I feel like the fault for me, not liking it is in me almost and not quite the filmmaker, yeah, I know, which what you mean, is but... a strange sentence to say. Yeah, uh, and then you could you could do Snakey Nick's own tale. Well, like of course, well if 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 the film failed you, it's not you failing the film. You're witnessing a thing. I don't know. It did. It, it's a weird line. Uh, so that's I don't know. You got... I, I wouldn't hold it against yourself. I I, I agree. I, I sort of felt the same way. I was like, maybe I am missing something here, but I don't think I don't think it's us. You know, okay. When we, when we talk <laughs> specifically about the end too, like I just there's something yeah. to talk about there. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. I would like really hit home that. It's it's shot well, it looks cool, but like there's quite literally like physical distance in this one scene at the end that was like almost too much for me to take. I was like, I you know, it was it just like there's a huge distance in the movie. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I agree. I I do think like and so what I like is that this is a young filmmaker trying something very. I unusual. like yeah. that it's an attempt. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I I do think that you know on the other end of the spectrum is Michael Haneke, um, whose films uh, Cachet Hidden and uh, The White Ribbon, I think really do explore this same subject mm. with a degree of precision that isn't quite in this film, mm. but they're two different filmmakers as well. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, again, I don't see too many movies like this, especially from a 27 year old dude. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll learn that skill of learning what to cut and you know, the whole like kill your darlings thing. I feel like just takes time. But know? I also, I also kind of think that, you know, like again, this is the film he wants, he wanted to make. Yeah. And I, and I feel, and I, I'm kind of like, Kudos to you. Yeah. You know, like, like do do you. And I think, no, you know. Like, I mean, the difference is, yeah, we can give him props all day. Are you going to watch it again? I might. I might. I mean, a it. normal person? Is a normal person <laughs> going to watch it again? I, I mean, I, I'm not. I, 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 even, even, and that's the thing. Even with me feeling like maybe I failed and the film had a thing, it didn't grab. It's not like one of those things where I'm like, well, if I watch it again, I'll get it. Yeah. Like that, that maybe that's what it is. It didn't grab me enough to want to understand what I was missing. Right. right. <laughs> even if it was my fault that I was missing. It. <laughs> I got to give props out to Robert Pattinson as well. Just, just not, not that he's super amazing in this. Pattinson. Film. Pattinson, whatever. Uh, you but fucking the fact that tell Edward his <laughs> name correctly. Post Twilight, he has just gone out of his way to do really interesting. Like, yeah. Look, really the dude's out an actor. Of, yeah. The dude's the a good movie. actor, yeah. and it sucks so hard that he was nailed into that garbage. I mean, obviously, well, you do it to yourself. But, like, I mean, but we all know who he is because of that. It's, it's interesting to me as well because I think Brady Corbett himself could have played this role. They're in the same age range, and they kind of feel like similarish actors. Yeah. Um, so, what has Brady been in? Uh, like we, you we said there, I missed yeah, it, sorry. Um, so Martha Macy Marmalene. Oh, that, um, those, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. Um, and I feel as an actor, he could have done this role. Um, what, so the second I saw that, uh, that, uh, Edward Cullen was in mm-hmm. this flick, I was, and it, when it was such a minor part, like throughout, I was like, 
I knew there was going to be something major with him, or maybe I was like, oh, maybe he's the lead. Like, because I, I, I was like, why is he taking this role? Why is he doing it? If you want, check out um, the Rover as well, where he has like a minor side role, and he's kind of amazing in it. Yeah, he's a great actor. Even yeah. wasn't, and I didn't see this, but I heard good things about him in it, like that Water for Elephants movie. Yeah, 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 and also the the David Cronenberg film Cosmopolis. Yeah, like he's a he's a good actor. Like well, I like and, him, and he's using he's using his power for good. You know, like he's he's going out and finding filmmakers who want to make interesting films. He's not just like writing off the back of Twilight right. and like doing more franchise movies. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. it, Brendan, did you have any other thoughts before we move into spoilers? Uh, I, I we've we moved get into, into, into specifics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I feel like we need. I need to talk about like specific scenes and stuff. But uh, uh, yeah. All right. So for those who haven't watched the movie, pause now, watch the movie, and join us we'll in see about. You in- Four hours. <laughs> An hour for about four hours. Yeah. And after you've you've exhausted a ton of jump-esque scares with music cues. Uh, <laughs> return. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, let, the mood of this thing, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt very horror to me. Yeah. There's a lot of horror cues, uh, which isn't bad. It was, I, th- I feel like appropriate. It's appropriately. That score yeah. is so good. The score. Is good. But, but again, I have to say it's that chin down, eyes up, like little kid omen nonsense. Anyway, sorry. We talked it, about it that. It felt like it could be in the same universe as The Witch. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. thinking about that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it did. Um, so, yeah. So, so, let's see. I'm going to butcher everyone's names. So I'm just going to keep calling them names I know. So, Davos. Shahir. And this is Brandon. <laughs> I hate you. I hate, that was a good joke, though. He does bad jokes. That was a good joke. See, and Matt tries to, like, pull me down by... No, no, no. So, we have to jokes. we have to <laughs> congratulate him when he does well. Okay, all right. So, Positive reinforcement. Yes. If you want, you can uh, just say hashtag dad jokes. That usually helps. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, no, but that was good. That was really good. Am uh, I here to, like, help you guys work something out? Is that... <laughs> uh, we, we... That isn't the waiver you signed. Uh, so, if it doesn't... If you don't help us during the show you have to stay after this is oh, the only podcast under- about movies this is the only podcast about the psychological difference between matt and i right. yeah. there's there's 15 podcasts about that <laughs> yeah. no so um so davos what what's his role in the government he's an american that's working with the he's working with the secretary of state uh lansing i believe right yeah. um so i think he is assisting in the drafting of the treaty of versailles yeah. but what happens through the mid-course of this film is that uh, I believe it's Woodrow Wilson, who was the mm-hmm. president at the time, starts disregarding their uh, their advice. So the 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 talks for the Treaty of Versailles ends up being in the House, which I think is is kind of key to. Uh, no, here's the thing: what is the child's name? Does it's anyone, Prescott. Prescott. The, Prescott. Well, you only reveal that at, at the, the very, very end, end, at the yeah. very end of the yeah. film, and yeah. the parents are just list, listed as the mother and the father, yep. and yeah. The, uh, so 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 the 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 discussions about the Treaty of Versailles end up taking place in the house. Yeah. Um, but, and obviously, uh, Prescott is not privy to the details of that discussion. Right. No, they, he comes out once uh, half naked yeah. to spite his dad for some reason. Well, yeah. I think, I think that it's a, it, it's a, to me, that's an additional psychological layer that's happening, which is that everyone mistakes him for a girl. Yeah. And he gets kind of upset about that True. and starts, you know, like walking around the house. Naked. He has long hair. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, but but there's a couple of things that like so so to me that very first tantrum the ta- the first tantrum throwing rocks um, throwing rocks the key thing there is the way in which Prescott swallows his his pride to make these apologies but then rushes home and throws up because he's yeah. he, he's seemingly so disgusted with having to do it yeah and, and he's and he's disgusted again by the fact. The, 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 to, to me, the trigger that happens there is that, again, someone calls him a girl. Mm-hmm. And so he runs, he rushes home, upset, and throws up. Maybe, maybe we're looking at this wrong, too, in the sense of, like, yeah, obviously nature and nurture and all that stuff. But maybe it was just nature mostly all along and no one dealt with it in a way to sort of curb it. Because uh, even I, I, something I thought was very sort of, like, dictatory or, like, it was a sort of a small moment when the mother makes him go to the priest and apologize. And they're having the conversation in the church or the uh, the head, the father there. Yeah. And finally, when they were like, come on, say you're sorry, say you're sorry. And and he's like, why? He's like, because you threw the rocks. He's like, but I didn't do anything to you. Right. Meaning he knows he did. Like, it's that disconnect that almost that's a sort it's of a, a mental a, thing. And the priest even says, you're a smart child because, yes, you didn't do it to me. Let's go. Perhaps we should have you at the parishioner. Right. And that's what caused him to have to say all the things to, you know. So it's like a little. And I, I didn't take it as like a battle of wills. It's like legitimately in his head. He's like, why am I apologizing to this right. guy? I didn't throw rocks at this guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's like an interesting theme of apology and forgiveness throughout the whole thing. Like the priest sermon talks about, you know, not mistaking forgiveness for surrendering. The whole right. the lion and the mouse thing is about, you know, apologizing and forgiving. Yeah. Um, and then I believe it's the mom who won't accept an apology from Mona, the maid. Um, and so like, yeah, I noticed that, that, that all the way through, like he, he seems to know the words I'm sorry, but doesn't know what they mean right. or care. And I feel like I think he definitely gets that from his mom. Yeah. Um, well, his dad's not around. I mean, that, yeah. that, the whole thing is Davos is running around until he brings his work home with him and then he's still not really around. Yeah. Like he's all, he, I think he's also like, again, this is a classical, uh, heterosexual family from the 19th century that, that the father is off doing the work. The mother is in charge of the house. Um, you know, and he expects the meal to be served. And when he comes home, he expects his child to be, you know, well, you know, like well-dressed and, mm -hmm. and pleasant. And, you know, like he's not, uh, you know, the, he's not a parent who's, who's capable, who's, who's used to dealing with difficulties with his child. He, right. he's, he has difficulties at work. And it's, it, I think there's like this, there's this interesting moment, um, that I just liked seeing, which was that, um, you know, when he, when he is at home, the father is kind of dictatorial. He is, you know, like the rule is this, 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 and this. And then for the, the second that the treaty, the, the, the ambassadors and delegates come to the house, he is like rushing around kind of whispering and, you know, like very apologetically. You see that the hierarchy has changed and changed and shifted slightly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I love just seeing just that little moment of him, like, trying to walk through the house with all these delegates behind him and whispering to his wife, you know, about how the process is going to have to be done. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, I, I just, I like the way that the film kind of toes that line of like what, who's in charge and who's not in charge and what, and the power dynamics that happen that shift throughout the film. Well, there's a point, especially when he goes away, after, I think it's after the treaty signed and, and Prescott sort of like locks himself in his room or in and out or whatever it sort of is. He basically takes control of the house in a weird way. Like, like the child Prescott. does. The child does. Yeah, Prescott yeah. does. He just was like, nope, I'm not doing shit. I'm not doing whatever I want. Oh, French election time. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And then like, uh, the, you know, food and whatever. And the only person that can actually get to him is Mona. The maid. I think the she's maid. the only, yeah, she's the maternal. She is like the maternal, uh, figure that is soft to him. You know, yeah, like his yeah. mother is not a soft, soft right. figure to him. Um, so I think that's, and then we would be remiss for not mentioning the kind of, pseudo sexual relationship that he forms uh with the teacher. Yep. Uh, his French teacher, his yes. French teacher Young by, French teacher. Um played uh by Stacy Martin. David Lee Roth would be proud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I forgot my pencil. <laughs> Give me something to write on, man. No, you know Woo! I'm gonna do it to you. Stop glaring. See, this is what Matt does. So Matt, <laughs> Matt's idea of his joke is just keep going until it's funny. But the problem works, is, though, is if we don't stop him, <laughs> it never gets funny. But I need I need parenting, is what you're saying. <laughs> um there's a there's a kind of you know, obviously the the child is how old do you think this boy is in this film? Uh eight or nine, something like that. Oh, really? I was gonna say like ten or eleven. Yeah, uh, I guess you're right. It must be a little, little younger. I have such that. a hard time. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. you, I, I don't mean, know. You'll learn. I'll learn eventually. I, yeah. I'm seeing it right now, but even then I, I still have trouble figuring out how old my kid is. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but He's 35. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Benjamin buttoning yeah. this shit. <laughs> I've been at this podcast for too long. I got to go home. Yeah. Um, but there, yeah, there, and there's, there's a kind of amazing shot in the film where we see the young French teacher's nipples through her clothes, and it's kind of like <laughs> the shot. Yeah. Shot's kind of amazing. It, I mean, I think it is. I mean, it's it kind cool. of a, it's it cool. pretty no, good. No, 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 because because in the wide shot, we're not looking at like the, there's no hint of like. Oh, I you know, I saw it right away. I did too. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. You guys were like honed in. Yeah, I was like, I was like yeah. yep, right there. Yeah. But like, even the I like, like the point where like, nipples are. You're like Seth Rogen in, in um, uh, you know, Mr. Skin, where he like points out where you can see. Oh, nipples. and knocked up. Oh, yeah. Knocked up. Yeah. <laughs> I knew exactly where. Oh, it was. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, kind yeah. of amazing just the way the light kind of like because what you were getting there was the impression that this is exactly at at exactly what the kid is focusing in on. Sure. Yeah. But uh, the problem with that scene too, and I, I said this as we were walking back afterward, as we were getting coffee, as she hears sips his delicious non-branded beverage, um, <laughs> that uh, please, it's we, almost- We're still looking for a sponsor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that like, it was like a long shot of the sunlight coming through. And it was a beautiful shot. And yeah. it, you know, it was a nice nipple and hooray. But like, 
it it went on too long and i was i said in the walk back that it would have felt gratuitous if every shot didn't feel gratuitous yeah. and it kind of just like was like oh another long shot this one just has a nipple in it yeah like again i i get it and it was good you're right Shakira. it did it like punched in and it honed in and like it, it did it had the effect for me and my lizard brain where like i stopped listening to her because <laughs> you show me a nipple for fucking five hours on screen yeah uh, there's another moment of just anticipation he later grabs grabs her her breast very quickly after um, oh no the next in the different like scene a couple scenes later yeah. i thought he was gonna do it right then though you know yeah. i mean like it, it, it did go on for so long and i was like oh something weird is gonna happen like now the movie's finally gonna and start she, like popping and up she here. tells him to uh, apologize and he, doesn't. and he doesn't oh he does he does kind of at the end but he but doesn't mean like, it. but again yeah, he doesn't the same mean kind it. of apology and it's yeah. also it's also post him walking in on his father having a moment with that teacher which yeah some, which which intimates that there might have been something inappropriate with the French teacher. Possibly, and, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's kind of parallel, you know, it's kind of hinted at as well with the fact that the teacher looks like the mother, but a younger version of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like she wouldn't do it just from the little we see of her in the movie, but who knows? I don't know. There's, uh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, uh, there's an amazing scene later on where after the father has become enraged with the child, he decides that he's going to, you know, he walks into the mother's room and he says, perhaps we should have another child. Right, yeah. And, and then he's lost the inclination halfway through. <laughs> oh, no, I have the quote. It was going to be one of the ones I said. It was, uh, oh, where is it? It's like the notion's gone. Or yeah, the I've notion, lost, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like literally like borderline rape. And then he's like, I'm it. leaving. I've lost the notion. <laughs> and you're like, thanks, Sir Davos. Yeah. yeah. But that goes back to what you were saying, though. Like, he just kind of looks at her as like a child-rearing machine. You right. Know, or it's kind of like, I want another child. Like, yeah. let's do this. She's like, no. I, and I, I, don't. I don't understand why he wants another child. Unless it, unless it, I didn't get the motivation for that either. Like, oh, this one. Uh, you know what I was thinking? At first, I was like, oh, because this one's so fucking crazy. Yeah, like, he wants too. a different one. But he says a daughter, which I thought was, un. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know, time-wise. But, like, wouldn't he want, I, I, I thought he wanted a replacement for his son. So I figured he'd want another son. But this time, he's like, we could have a daughter. And, like, da -da -da -da. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, he's, he's a forward-thinking kind of asshole i don't know i did <laughs> it just sort of i don't know yeah i'm not sure what that well what what happens right before that with the sun is that like around the time of the the the, the naked tantrum or it no? is around the time it's after because he leaves again once everyone's yeah. leaving so i i thought the same thing though i was like oh he clearly is just like wants to try again like let's get it right this time yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is basically why every parent has a second child. right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, and then so so okay. So the first tantrum is uh, is him having to apologize for the rocks. The second tantrum, well, I thought the tantrum was the rocks. I, it was the rocks, but I, I wonder if like the throwing. I, I thought it was the throwing up because they. I, I think the tantrums ends the chapters. You know, like yeah. I mean, it it could be the tantrum in effect. I don't know. Or, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. But but to me, the throwing up was kind of the key thing there, which is that he apologizes but hates the apology. Sure. Right. Uh, then the second tantrum is in the house where. Uh, he's again called a girl, and he and he he decide he he does this interesting thing, which is that he the young boy holds himself up in a room and locks himself in there, and then studies French on his own, right? And eventually becomes a you know like manages to recite the the story of the lion and the mouse mm -hmm. uh, on his own without the teacher's help. Um, well, I thought he did that. So we're kind of combining two things here. So the first thing, it, the tantrum, it was kind of a multi-part tantrum. Is, he goes yeah. down, he's naked or has his robe open to be like, I'm a boy. haha. -ha. And then the father chases him into the room or get, he, then he decides to sort of lock himself up there. French teacher comes for his lesson. He's like, no, no, come back in three days. <laughs> and that was after he touched her boob and he, she made him apologize, even though he didn't care. Right. So I thought in my brain when he did, basically he taught himself French and he spoke it to the teacher and the mother. And he's like, I don't need you anymore exactly. so he basically got her fired for making him apologize to her yes. in a weird sort of way yeah I, I agree and and i feel like that's actually the only like kind of true apology he gives in that whole movie like i think he's for one trying to fire her and then also to like get back in good graces with, the, with his mom like oh, wait do, which apology do you think is the true apology when he learns french I and mean, in a weird twisted way like when he learns the french story and is able to recite it perfectly like that was kind of like a, an offering to his mom like we can both get rid of this woman. oh i didn't i didn't see it as that. i didn't see I, it as I, thought that. Was, I thought he was being vindictive to the teacher i but i think but from that point on, that's when the mom's like, let's get you some food and some new clothes. And then right. suddenly they're like kind of best friends again. But until the they're not, they're yeah. only best friends for like three seconds because she keeps locking herself in there. And then when the yeah, maid, true. when the maid uh, well, disobeys her. Oh, I thought, I thought it was, I'm thinking of, I have the order backwards then. Cause I thought they got rid of the maid first and then got rid of her. The, yeah. I think that's how it happened. And, Did then, it? and, and, and then, then I think Sir Davos it, comes back with the, with the fury of wrath in his, uh, in his oh, yeah. eye and uh, ends up, uh, you know, 
giving the boy a lashing that he won't soon forget, but right. ends up breaking his arm. That scene was incredible as well. Cause I was just like, just the mechanics of how that scene played out um, with him, with the father ascending the stairwell, yeah. you know, like start like giving this speech at the door, like breaking the door down, dragging the kid. And then you see the, the kid being slapped and then you, you you feel the break in the eye right. happening. I was like, Ooh, this the only is- bad part about that was how he broke the door down. <laughs> Does no one know how to break a door down? I see it all the time in movies. It's this fucking shoulder check garbage. You wow. don't. Well, you, but now, now remember, this was 19th century. They might not have seen, you know, Assault on Precinct 13. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, was Die Hard out yet? I don't know. But like, you should know how to break down a door. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's um, with your foot at the lock level. Okay, so continue. I, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. So to me, the car, like, again, the correlative thing, elements where the throw, because these are the- Correlative? Th- the correlative, yeah. Elements there is that the end of the chapter, end of chapter one was the throwing up. The end of chapter two was the arm being broken. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, it's these two- Moments where an apology or uh, a moment of remorse is kind of yeah um, twisted, twisted or bisected by just a, a, a another tw- another moment that 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 flies in the face of it. Yeah, and then this leads us into our third chapter, the final chapter, the the the, the enter, final the, enter the dragon, enter the dragon. <laughs> Bruce Lee appears. Right. Um, yep. Kareem Abdul Jabbar is wearing a jumpsuit. Uh, shit goes crazy yeah. in the house and uh, quite a time jump. It was just in yeah, yeah. nineteen eighties. Musical time. number was nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and this is where the Treaty of Versailles has been signed now. Mm-hmm. Um, and party time. It's party time in yeah, this one. Finally, can I talk about? <laughs> I feel like I'm going on too many tangents. But when I saw party time, I was like. Fuck! Ni- early nineteen hundreds parties are creepy as shit. I know. Like it's so and, drab. And I, kept, I was like, "Is everyone like sleep no more?" Yeah. Like, is everyone <laughs> like this is this weird? Like, oh, we have the fucking crank uh, phonograph, and like that's the source of noise. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like I, the white masks were a strange touch too. That they're all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, just, well, we did we did see like the uh, like some pointed black mask in the middle of the film, which I, I don't understand that. That was bizarre. Was that the Stations of the Cross they were? doing? Yeah, I think so. Well, we do see them with Ash Wednesday kind of crosses. Yep, on right. But that was a little bit before so, party time. Anyway, sorry. I just thought yeah. the party was weird, and no, it just it got me thinking about time period and parties and like. You know, you see like stylized parties from those periods, yeah. and, and that's what you think they were. But yeah. this felt very accurate. This I, was like. Yeah. Okay, fancy dinner servants and one echoey, creepy song playing on repeat in the background. It, it is creepy as shit. Like, there's, there's something romantic about living in, like, a European village like that in that time period. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, that's fucking creepy as shit. And I'm really <laughs> glad I'm where I am yes. right now. Yes. Yeah. With so, microphones. Yes. You know, it, actually, that whole sequence with uh, the Treaty of Versailles being signed there as well also feels... Um, did you guys remember that movie, The Remains of the Day? Uh, yeah. With Anthony Hopkins. And, and basically, they're, Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson are butlers in a house, which yeah. I think the the decision to go to into world war two happens at this house and this, and this Butler has basically witnessing, um, the, the descent into fascism. Well, I, I think that might be paraphrasing what actually happens in that movie. It's been a while since I saw it, but I, I do like this, like this sort of, um, study of domesticity, you know, and, and the study of manners, uh, that has to happen with people that have like, uh, servants and attendants, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Gosford park as well. um, so I was the the way in which kind of we're seeing the the trickles of fascism being born through the way in which this house operates. Yes, I think was really interesting. Yeah, like the the new uh, head servant there. Yeah, you know, like who, who's just complete. Yeah, who is much more of a dictatorial presence. Yes, and they fall, and the other servants just kind of fall right in line with her. Yeah, you know? exactly. It, I thought that. Yeah, that was interesting. Um. So you know, I again, it, it's it's not a film that's like pointing directly to causation but but i think you know like the more and then this might be that factor of like having to like sit with this film for a little bit longer yeah. the more you think about it the more you like that film you let the film absorb in you, you the, the more you can kind of see the relationship i truly believe there are a thousand tiny things that he did very well that like actually once like you said you sit with it you realize it and whatever the issue i have is it didn't grab me enough to if we weren't doing a podcast about it i wouldn't be thinking about this yeah, shit yeah. right like i need i if you're gonna all right, filmmakers, if you're going to outsmart me, which is not hard, if you're going to do it, make it interesting enough where I want to come back and level the playing field. Like yeah. a, 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 this one, for whatever reason, didn't do it for me, even though I think a ton of work and cleverness is there. Right. Yeah. Which is so strange. 
But let's well, let's talk about the final moment. Okay, right. So we're at the party. We're at the party. We're at the party at the Chandra. So Rakan is back. Rakan is back. Oh, that's not the song that was playing. No, no. Okay. But someone did kick a door down. Yeah. So they're at the dinner. They're having a dinner uh, dinner table, and uh, fucking Davos gets up in front of everyone. He's like, "War's over. We did it. Hooray!" He's like, "I'm not one for speeches, so my lovely wife's gonna lead us in prayer." And then the mom, thinking she's doing something nice for the kid, I, I thought anyway, like that they like, oh well, I think that maybe. Uh, he's a better public speaker than me. Like, because he proved himself to speak sort of the French and he did all the stuff. Like, why don't you lead the prayer? And he's just like, nah. <laughs> I don't believe in prayer anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't believe in praying anymore. I don't believe in praying anymore. I Which, thought that was a fuck you from the mom big time. There. I thought it was. was it? Yeah. yeah I thought, <laughs> Maybe I read it wrong. I, I did kind of think that it was like a little bit of a moment where like she was. Cause, but cause why he, would she have been saying that? Because they were getting along again, weren't they? No, at that they point? weren't. He was pissing her off yeah. again. She he was like, like, he wanted her to like sit down at this t- at this part of the table. She d- he didn't want to do it. Um, he was, you know, like she oh, was yeah. grabbing at the back yeah. of her dress, yeah. and he was like, "We're gonna eat," you know. She was like, "We're gonna eat soon." Gotcha. And, okay. So I kind of felt that that was like that was her putting her son on the spot, and it is. It may be that thing where like parents try to you know, uh, sink or swim with your kid, you know, sure. like, are they going to like rise to the occasion? So this is and where, boy, did he, yeah, not he rose, rise. <laughs> the dragon stood up and he stood on his chair and started screaming. I don't believe in praying anymore. I don't believe in praying anymore. I don't believe in praying anymore. Uh, flashback to a little bit earlier in the film. He's outside again, collecting rocks, like a little yep. fucking rock collector. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was going somewhere. I lost it. Uh, and so he's on his chair and he's like, I'm not, and the mom slowly walks over to assumably take him off the chair and lead him out while, yeah. cause he's embarrassing the, the everybody. Uh, and he, and he fucking clocks her in the temple with a fucking rock. Yeah. It's actually, I was like, I was so shocked by that moment. I was like, what just ha-? like, cause I suddenly thought, Whoa, this has gotten to superhero cherries. He's got like superhuman strength. Oh, you didn't <laughs> catch, you didn't catch the I, I rock at first. And then it was like, Oh yeah, he wouldn't got those rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was just going to start throwing the rocks at everyone at the dinner table. That's what I, I thought too. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was so that was a great moment in the movie. She uh, starts bleeding and she and just drops, well, like I mean, a sack of potatoes. Yeah, I mean, he hits her in the head with. A I rock. understand. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying watch <laughs> should have been able to take that, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it totally makes sense. Uh, and then chaos ensues, and everyone starts chasing him all over the house. But right. interestingly, Robert Pattinson uh, reappears in the film, and and kind of takes the lead in trying to catch him, catch yeah. the child. And he's and he does it in a way that like he's trying to save the child from the father. Exactly. Flashback yeah. throughout this entire movie. Whenever Robert Pattinson and the mother are on this in the same scene, there's this weird sexual tension, yes. which I believe comes to a head. Uh, in this moment, yes. yeah. Um, well, it comes well, we to a head basically at the in the final, the epilogue of yeah. the film, right? Well, yeah, right before, also right before the dad breaks his arm, he kind of walks in on the two of them being a little shady in this back. Yeah, yeah. House. When dad comes home, it's like Robert Pattinson's just in the house yeah. hanging out, and the mom's crying. Yeah, and yeah. like, well, we did it. We signed the treaty. That's, <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what the fuck? I love his lines like, oh, there's the man of the hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, first. what are you doing here? Yeah. yeah. So not shady at all. Amazing. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, so but uh, he is being like super caring for the child yeah. in this moment after the after yeah. So they catch him and they like catch him on the stairs and there's this weird the, the last shot is sort of beautiful of this sort of little section where it's Robert Pattinson reaching for him at the top of the stairs when he mm-hmm. fell down the camera does a one eighty rotate like over the top so you see upside down all the people staring, including the quote father. Right. Yeah. Uh Davos. And I love that, that that upside down like reveal. It's I don't know. I just like That's it. what I was saying. Yeah. yeah I like cool. that too. Yeah. Uh so then there's the is it an epilogue? What was it called? An, I, I guess it, it was called a new era. A new, a era. new era. Chris got the bastard. Yes. Um, which, and again, it, it it basically it harkens back to a dream that the child has of that space when he was younger. Oh, yeah, when he yeah. thought that you know I had a dream and I went the bid, which was my line from the beginning of, the, of this podcast, <laughs> where he uh, is envisioning basically a technological era, and it, you know, like the scene opens up with this, like with the machine of politics now, which is the yes. printing press. Um, and we see the exact same room that he dreamed of when he was a little kid. Right. But then like, this is what I didn't get. Cause right. this was all through this too. That long ass pullback shot mm-hmm. where there was four people sitting around signing and writing shit. Mm-hmm. What, what the fuck was that? That's the shot that like, really, I kind of that put me over the edge a little bit. Like, you know, the music was more oppressive than there had been like, in the you couldn't hear what movie. they were saying. You couldn't hear what they were saying. And they were pulling back way, like really, really far. And I feel like that was supposed to kind of be like, a lot of this is supposed to be a holy shit moment. And it just kind of wasn't because like, it was like, 
I, I mean, it was emotionally distant and then like literally distant too. like they're so far away. And, and it's I liked what he was going for, but felt like, well, I that's the thing. Like, the I feel like it was that moment. This is what I don't get. So it pulls back and it's like a it's like a 10 minute shot or something. <laughs> it felt, yeah. felt that way. It's, it's probably beautiful. not 10 minutes. Yeah. And it pulls back and you slowly see guards around these four men signing and working on papers and documents and things. And it's pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. And you see these two banners that. If they had swastikas on them, I would have yeah. been like, oh, and I think that's what this moment was trying to go for. But since it's a fictitious thing, I, I think anyway, and maybe listeners, if I'm wrong, please do it. But there's like a sun symbol on all these sort of uh, banners and the, the symbol of the bear as well. Or the the lion. The lion. Oh, I thought it was because from the story that he right, reads. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and so like, then it's like them walking downstairs for 10 minutes and then it's them walking out to a square for 10 minutes. And then they're all waiting for this guy to show up. Apparently that's super important. And the car comes, and there's all these guards and people loving it and da, 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 in this big square. And it turns out to be lo and behold, Robert Pattinson with a beard and a shaved head. And at first you're like, huh? Yeah. And then you're like, oh. Press got the bastard. Press got the bastard. He looks like him because, like, it does this weird time jump. It never sort of says, like, a new era you kind of get. It's like, oh, a generation has passed. Yeah. Um, but it's a very weird jump to make. I don't know. It felt odd it, yeah, and I didn't it, quite get it. I didn't get it until we kind of, until like the film ended and I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. So yeah. he gets out of the car and starts waving. And we only see him for like a glimpse before the camera just spins off into crazy. Town. Like, and that was stupid. The spinning was stupid, but I liked the glimpse. You know, I like yeah. the glimpse, but, but you could have just ended like, mm. the spinning after like three spins. It spun for like it, like twenty nine spins. Yeah. Again, I think I think he's you know like yeah I agree that this is a little long and he's made the point and we get it. But I do think that everything he does here is kind of beautiful. I agree. Like, yeah. like, I don't I, think that shot was beautiful. I think that shot. I I really don't. I think I think it was great that we caught a glimpse and we're like oh. Oh, fuck we have that moment and I, I was excited for a second I was like shit and then it was like smiling and I'm um, okay oh, it's not, I figured it cut to black by now and uh, okay it's still spinning we're seeing light leaks a little bit through the okay and it's it's spinning yeah. and and it's spinning and if you're bored of me saying it's spinning wait it's not done spinning yet because it's going to keep it's going to keep going and, and and like that times five and like it you could have had a powerful moment at the very end if you timed that right and that was not timed right I think I think it it is like I say it's a little long in the tooth, but I I, I liked everything that was going on here. I liked that long pullback to reveal the size of that room. It was kind of like the halls of power, mm. and then we still see. And then, but and, what I didn't get is he, the dude wasn't there. Like Bastard no, wasn't, wasn't there. He wasn't there. So who he, gives he, a shit about the like? We don't know anyone in that room. Yeah, but it's a, we're seeing basically what I what I like here is the the distinction between the halls of power and the people, and and we see that again. Like this repeated motif of walking up the stairs, sure. Taking it, it's a long. There's a long distance between a person and the person that right. they're dealing Listen, with. Right. Listen, I'll take, I'll take the long stair shot. I'll take that one. But the rest of these shots that go on too long, like because no. you're right, you just made a point of why the long stairs are the long stairs. Even if it's boring, it's to prove a point. But even that shot, also, I think there are a bunch of interesting things that happen there, which is that this document gets passed through these through these four different people and they get signed. And then we still see and that then a secretary comes yeah, in the, and the like does power, a thing. And will that power be all dynamic great? And of like people who are serving other people. Sure. But there's uh, a power dynamic of four people that we have never met before in this entire movie. I mean, again, it's, it's symbolic rather than literal to the narrative. Like I think we're seeing, it just didn't matter. I, and, and I, I like, could again, have, I agree. It's a little long. That could have started. That whole epilogue could have started with, uh, with the cars pulling up and just having people wait for a dude getting out of a car. Like, uh, yeah, I did like that it took its time. Like, like what I do like about this film, that it takes its time to make its point. Now, that can be trying and it can be testing. And and my my thing here as a filmmaker is, is every moment revealing something new to you? Mm -hmm. And there's a point at which there's a there are many points in this film where I feel like, no, that moment isn't revealing something new to me. It's just it's we I've got the point now. Let's move on. Right. But. I'm not the filmmaker in this case, so that's you know a, a decision that 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 filmmaker made. Um, but I, I do like that the 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 amount of time it takes, the reflection in the memory. Um, it also you know like the the idea of a power hierarchy that's still evident there. It, you know the other film that it reminded me of is. Um, Salo, 120 Days of Sodom by Pier Paolo, Paolo Pasolini, the, the idea of these fascists that retreat to this house and basically force um, a bunch of young people to engage in sexual, like into more and more dehumanizing sexual encounters. Uh, it's a very, like, now that I've said that film, <laughs> don't like watch podcast. it. Do not watch it. <laughs> uh, it is one of the most difficult films I've ever watched. But she's got a dark side. Yeah. Uh, but 
Well, it's in the Criterion Collection, which, you know, I've talked about. Um, um, but it is a very difficult film, and it, it is about that power dynamic that happens between um, master and slave, so to speak. Sure. Um, and I, I, again, I think that's all very interesting. Yes, I, I, I completely agree that the, the time at which this film takes to get to that point without revealing new information is something that a filmmaker like Michael Haneke doesn't do. Every, every moment in, in Haneke's The White Ribbon reveals a new piece of information, even in the long you know, tracking shots that he does. So, final thought time, Shahir. Should people see this movie? Uh, yeah, I think they should. I think, I mean, I, obviously this will speak to a certain kind of film goer, perhaps Jacob, who, um, who I, has pointed to a lot of really interesting films. I think... Uh, probably knew very well when he pointed to this film that I might like it and you might not. It's a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. Um, but I, I do think that if I, you know, uh, just dissuading from Jacob's, what, what Jacob may have been trying to set up is that I agree with your points that it is uh, long in the tooth. It is, um, it could do with another editor. It could, it, it makes its point very clearly and sometimes a little less subtly than I would have hoped for. Um, but I, but I fundamentally, I, I am very interested in this film and I'm very interested in seeing what this filmmaker makes next. Okay. Uh, Brendan, you want to go now or you want to go last? I, I, I'll, I'm way too scared to go last, so I'll go now. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, wow, you're just, scared of us. That's just good. my, my final thoughts. Uh, I think, I mean, I think that's if you're someone who would be searching out a movie podcast that, and you're that interested, I think you should probably see it. The only I, movie I, podcast. The only movie say. podcast. I think it's it's meticulous, and I think it is beautifully shot, and I'd like this, I like that they kind of tell the story with with the color and with the, um, even the soundtrack, you know, like it's kind of moves from these like earth tones at the beginning to this like really like steely, um, you know, uh, you know, blues and reds at the end, and even the soundtrack gets a lot more mechanical sounding. Yes. So I think that there's a lot to learn from the movie if you are someone who's interested in movies and making them, and um, you know, yeah, I. Uh, but I'm not sure I would like seek it out to go at the theater and like have like a nice like Friday night seeing this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it could use a little bit of humor, but. <laughs> Other than the subtitles, which it didn't mean to yeah. make funny. Yeah. Uh, my final thought is, uh, Jacob, your attempt to destroy Shahir and I's relationship even more, I feel like it, I, I respect you for it, uh, but I don't think it worked. Uh, look, I'll say straight up, I don't think uh, this movie is worth a lot of people's time. I, I do think, like you said, Renan, it's like if you're if you're a filmmaker this has a lot of interesting things to show you that you could be like, oh man, that's actually a really cool thing to do. Like if yeah. I modified it this way and did it sort of in my own sort of thing. So I like that aspect of it. And I'll always appreciate something different. The reason why this didn't turn into me screaming at Shahir because he liked it and I didn't like it is because just like I said before, it has a ton of interesting stuff to it, but it doesn't do enough convincing of me to be interested and to do the digging. Yeah. So I can't get even passionate about it enough to be like, I, I don't want I don't want to convince you of any of my points not to like it because I'm just like, ah, like you know, I, 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 if someone likes something, that's great. So uh, I, I would I would sadly say, uh, you know, for the for the average goer, I would say uh, it's a no go. But there's definitely some really cool stuff to learn if you are a film buff from it. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm totally stealing that credit sequence thing from the beginning. I'm, I'm, I, oh, don't I'm don't because that that's something. smelling your own farts, man. That's like mm, there's, everyone Ooh. loves that brand. I thought it was so cool. I liked it as well. Oh, well, I'm outvoted. <laughs> well, since I'm outvoted, I feel like this is a great time to continue Shahir's fucking sub-segment before we close out the show. Dear listener, <laughs> if you've been listening, and I hope you have, uh, I have been running a little new segment called Criterion Corner because I have just realized how much great material is available on Hulu's Criterion Collection. Well, it's actually Criterion's Collection, which is available on Hulu. And so I'm going to try and persuade you to watch an interesting film from the Criterion Collection every week. This week, uh, I am going to persuade you to watch one of my favorite films of all time, If For Fake. Have either of you guys seen If For Fake? No. I have not. Orson Welles' film, uh, it was probably one of the last films he put together uh, as a complete film. Uh, it is a, uh, it, it coined the phrase uh, essay film, and it's basically Orson Welles' Um, I love it already. <laughs> uh, it's it, it is look to, in my mind. I think it is on par with Citizen Kane as far as his his body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 at the end of his career. He has no money. He's scrapping together this little film to the point where he's shooting scenes of him editing the film in in the room. 
Um, and it, he does so much amazing work to like dissect what film and filmmaking is. He's basically trying to, he's trying to explore the world's greatest art forger. Then he turns the lens on himself and he talks about how all art is forgery in some way. And he himself as a filmmaker is one of the great forgers of our time. Um, it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. Um, just it it also shows you how just how fucking cool Orson Welles was back in his day like that voice his ability to like command the screen even when he was like 70 years old like Mm. 100 pounds overweight yeah you know like he's just um, oh god I don't know uh I love this film to to death and it's available on the Criterion Collection on Hulu so please seek it out um and if you have other recommendations for Criterion or like Jacob uh, presented us other Blu-ray or or other media um please send us on uh, demand yeah send us send it our way via our Facebook page or Contact us, like Jacob did, at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod or on our Facebook page. Brendan, where can people find you? Uh, We are at NoFuckingZD on Twitter. Yeah. Um, We're on iTunes. I would suggest searching ZD because they kind of censor the fucking part. (laughs) So, uh, and there's no fucking on Twitter. There's no, no, there's a lot of fucking on Twitter. Uh, Or SoundCloud. We're just soundcloud.com slash NoFuckingZD. And uh, yeah, episode 35 is going up tonight. We're like getting to the end of season three. That's so cool. It really uh, does make me run or rewatch the show. You should, you should. And you should come on and I'll yell at you about everything. If, uh, (laughs) if, yeah, if, once I finish my media debt, I'm going to go one and one. I'll just yeah. go boom, 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 boom. I mean, let's, you know, I'll, I'll warn you the first season, uh, we were, we didn't know where we we're doing. I, I think no I, one does. I, yeah. I would, I would, yeah, but you'll see. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Brendan also wrote a film, uh, with me, uh, yep. called La Loteria, which you can find online or on my website at, uh, Brendan was one of the writers on that project. Yes. Um, do you have like your own, you know, people get in touch with you directly. Uh, I mean, I'm on Twitter as well. Just Brendan McCarthy. Um, I somehow really lucked out and got on Twitter early and I have that. So you can find, you're not even the real (laughs) fun fact. I'm not verified, but (laughs) our our first episode was, uh, uh, Mad Max Fury road and the writer of Mad Max Fury road. It was Brendan McCarthy. I got a lot of tweets congratulating me. That's awesome. Dude, we love the movie. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Sure. (laughs) I also get confused with Brandon McCarthy, the baseball pitcher and like celebrities will follow me for an hour and then unfollow me when they realize it. That is that great. <laughs> so I'm very generic you and very wise. You should put that in your description. I Celebrities should, yeah. follow me for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can find me at uh, Matthew Kroll, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z or Emperor M-S-K on the Twitter sphere. Uh, and yeah, you can check us all out um, with uh, at, at the PAX. Sorry, that's right. The PAX, we're going to a beautiful, wonderful gaming convention by the Penny Arcade guys. We will be September 2nd at the Sphinx Theater at 6 o'clock. We'll be talking all your Mortal Kombat, all your Lara Crofts, all your World of Warcrafts. Uh, and a couple all other Super Mario things. Brothers. Basically, getting good GUD at making video game movies. We're going to see if we can fix Hollywood, people. But until then, this has been the only podcast uh, about uh, the, the childhood of a leader. <laughs> Hooray! I, I I love it when I feel truthful in saying those things. I, it seems like you struggled with the title for a second there. I was trying to think because even when I was looking it up today, I was like the children, the children of no, oh, children of men. I like that movie. No, no, no. So I, I just wanted to make sure I got it right. But guys, thank you so much for listening, Brendan. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It vote for a, Trump. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing we got through this film about the childhood of a fascist and we didn't talk I about. Know. Well, yeah. there we go. That's it. That's it. We're out. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.